So let me let him get to the core of this morning's session. One Good morning, everyone. And uh, it's always a pleasure to be uh, in CSIS. Uh, and uh, thank you, Anthony, as usual. You are so kind in your words. And I really uh, uh, wish that I can be up to your expectation. So uh, today, or tomorrow, it will be the 16th anniversary of 2003 invasion. And this is why it was very difficult for me to put together this presentation. It was one of the most difficult presentation that I ever faced. The reason is, there are two reasons. First of all, my team during the the last 16 years, they have asked thousands of questions to Iraqis, conducted thousands of surveys, around 2 million interviews. So how to put all these together in a one 30-minute presentation, it was a real challenge. Then the second thing is that both Iraqis and U.S. administration, or at least the U.S. decision makers who made that decision to invade Iraq at that time, they had different high expectations. Iraqis, they had their own expectations. The U.S. administration or the decision maker, they had their own expectations and we uh, asked about both. So how to put these together in one and dealing with it from one angle, it was also a real challenge. Anyway, what you will see here now, it is a result of 16 years of work. So I will go through it and uh, put some hi highlights on the current social and political landscape in Iraq after 16 years. This is the methodology. I will skip it to save some time. So since the beginning, Iraqis had a very negative attitudes toward the invasion. And the new regime was not able to gain the trust of Iraqis. This led to a political vacuum. When you tap down the old regime, bringing in new regime, this vacuum happened. No one was equipped enough to take over, so the only uh, groups who were ready to gain benefit of that were the religious groups and parties who, who were well suited to fill this vacuum. And here is the evidence on that. 
This is from a survey conducted on 2003, just two months after the invasion. So we asked people, in your opinion, what is the reason behind the war of 2003? And as you can see, there were only 15% of Iraqi, uh, sorry, there were only 22%, uh, this the, uh, it's not uh, showing up here, 22% who believe that the reason is to bring down Saddam regime and achieve democracy, which was the main issue in the mind of the U.S. administration. All others, they believe in it's, it was a fight of Islam, it was uh, to occupy Iraq or to divide Iraq. So the negative attitudes were there from Iraqi perspective, while the other uh, um, side, the, the U.S. and the alliance and the uh, Iraqis who were with the U.S., uh, they had a different expectation. And this is another example. In 2004, what is the closest description to your mind about the presence of the coalition forces in Iraq? Do you think of it or of them as an occupying forces, a liberating forces, a peacekeeping forces, others? As you can see, around 85%. If you take out the uh, Kurds, who are almost 15% or 14%, and the vast majority will say that they are liberating forces, then you will understand that it means that almost 100% of Arab uh, Iraqis, they believe that it was an occupation. So this created the first problem for the new regime. It is the problem of trust. And I will come to, to that later on. So as I said, that there were a lot of expectations, Iraqis, and from what they heard from the media used at that time and the campaigns used by that time, they thought that they will be an oasis of democracy. They thought that we will be the state number 51. And we, we will have a lot of prosperity, etc. There were a lot of hopes. And but at the same time, there were also a lot of concerns. Let us see some of these concerns and hope. The main concerns. These were the, the, the main concerns. But if you look at it, oh, sorry. I had, uh, there was, there is a mistake here. We should show the numbers. The numbers are not show up on concerns about security, corruption, unemployment, and public services. 
in general right now. The security were always the main concerns for, for Iraqi. But the security concerns declined uh, during the last years, and we have the long-lasting concern, which is corruption and unemployment. And uh, for unemployment, as you can see here, it's, uh, sorry, it's in Arabic, but unemployment is two digits in Iraq. If you take a look here, for the women, uh, sorry, the, the females, unemployment for, for females, it's, it's a horrible number. So if you go to the expectations, on 2003, 62, uh, sorry, uh, one methodological uh, point. I have chose, or I chose five different benchmark here. The first parliament election, or which happened on 2005 or six, I, uh, and then the US troops partial withdraw during the years 2009-2010, ISIS occupation 2014-2015, defeat of ISIS 2016 and 17, and then the current situation. And this is to trace the public opinion in Iraq for this time. As you can see, there were a lot of hopes and expectations. Iraqis on both years, the average of Iraqis who say that we are going in the right direction was 62. They had a lot of hopes. And this declined, as you can sharply, to reach before Daesh took over, it was only 34 versus 55 who say that we are going in the wrong direction. And even after uh, the defeat of Daesh, people still are unhappy. And it reached 74% of people who say that we are going in the right, uh, in the wrong direction. Right now, it's 78% of people who are saying that we are going in the, in the wrong direction. Oh, yeah, this is the main concern. I thought that we skipped it. So as you can see here, security was the top concerns of Iraqi. Unemployment was not that much. Infrastructure was not that much. These are the top three concerns of Iraqi. Of course, there are a lot of others. And on 2009, and uh, especially after, before, just before the, uh, the left of the U.S. forces, the security concern declined to 37%, and the unemployment concern jumped to 28%, and then the infrastructure. And 
right now, as you can see, corruption is the main issue. Unemployment is the second important issue. Security is less. And to be fair, security in Iraq is improving uh, in a very good way during the last four or five years. So this is uh, a niche of hope in today Iraq. But we have these uh, uh, two monsters which are corruption and unemployment. And to, to put more highlights on these issues, as you can see here, it's interesting to see on how safe do you feel in your neighborhood. We always ask this question as an indicator, very clear indicator about uh, safety feeling in, in Iraq. If you look, I, I took here, the, uh, or I uh, uh, broke it down to Shias and uh, Sunnis. And as you can see here, during the civil war on 2006, you can see a gap, a huge gap. On 2004, it was almost the same. For Sunnis and Shia, they feel safe. 50% of them, they feel safe in their, in their neighborhood, which should be in, uh, globally. The neighborhood is the safest place that people should feel safe in it. It's not like how safe do you feel in the country or how safe do you feel in, in the streets, but in your neighborhood should be very, very high. So on 2006, as you can see here, the gap. And then when there was, or there were a lot of operations uh, by the Iraqi government and by the US uh, troops at that time to improve the, the uh, situation, the security situation, it improved till it reached this very high level of feeling safety on 2009, just before the US troops left Iraq. Yet, this declined sharply. Uh, I don't know how to use this. Yeah, this declined sharply, as you can see. Just, this is just a week before Daesh took over Mosul and others. See the gap, huge gap. Only 10% of Sunnis feel safe in their neighborhood versus 77% of Shia feel safe in their neighborhood. Huge gap. And this partially can explain uh, why Daesh uh, was able to took over these areas very easy. And the the the, the Daesh, uh, by using its uh, brutal techniques, it was very successful in keeping peace in neighborhoods. So that was one of the main credit for Daesh. Because we had the, this problem, that was one of the main credit for Daesh in that area. They, they, they kept promoting that they can bring safety to, to these areas. 
So right now, things are improving. And as you can see here, on 2018, we are again in the right direction with the security or with the feeling of safety in the neighborhood. Though there are some annoying and worrying signs uh, we discovered lately, uh, I didn't have time to, to put it in the presentation, but there are again now some worrying and some red flags. I will speak about it later. And about the uh, corruption. As you can see here, when we started asking about corruption, it was on 2012. 89% on 2012 believe that corruption is spread in Iraq. This did not improve. It jumped, actually. Now, almost every single Iraqi believes that corruption is spread everywhere in Iraq. Now, these were some general topics about concerns and hopes. Let us see the main political highlights. What are the main political highlights? I wanted to, to focus more on, in my opinion, from all these 16 years, I think the main, the main problem in Iraq is neither corruption nor security or any other. The main thing is trust. People, they have a huge problem with a trust in other and with the trust in institution, with the trust in other. So there is a gap between people and the, and the government or the institutions and at the same time between people themselves. Let us see. And I took the, the last three uh, cabinets or governments in Iraq. 2014, just before uh, Mr. al-Maliki left. 2018, just before these both just one month before they left the office to, to be, uh, to the comparison to be more fair. And for uh, the current government, this also will show, uh, what I will show here is the result of uh, the government of Abdel Mahdi after 100 days. So as you can see here, the trust in the prime minister was 37% in total. Of course, if you break it down to Sunnis, Shias, Kurds, you will see, if, I mean, just one number. Of these 37%, there were only 5% of Sunnis who had a trust in the prime minister. And of course, the president, the Al-Marhum uh, Jalal uh, Talabani, 35% uh, 
they had trust in, on him. Now, this jumped. Actually, uh, Al-Ubadi, he did well. And uh, at some point, Al-Ubadi, tr uh, the trust in Al-Ubadi, it reached 70% at some point. But this declined, and just one month before he left, it was 45%, which is much better than that. And of course, the president, trust in the president was 13% only. The situation right now is 33%. They, they have trust in Adil Abdel Mahdi, and uh, the trust in the president jumped from 13% to 29%. But it's still early. To, to judge it, because as I've said, these numbers of the two other governments came in the, in the last term, in their last term. So it's still early. The, uh, the numbers looks promising, but no one knows. I mean, usually the 100 day is not a good judgment on any government. Uh, things are still uh, rolling down, and we will see what will happen. A trust in security institution, this is very important. On 2004, there were a, a high trust in the security institutions. And on 2004, and, but this declined, as you can see. In police, it declined from 2004 to 64. In uh, the army, it remained almost the same. 2014, this is just before Daesh took over. This was the uh, opinion uh, of people of Iraq and the security forces. Yet, we should aware that this is the total number. If we break it down to Sunnis versus Shias versus Kurds, the, the numbers are totally different. For instance, the, uh, before Daesh took over uh, their areas, Mosul and Ambar uh, trust in the police was almost 10% only. In the army, it was almost 15% only. So it's different, but the total was like this. Right now, one of the good signs is that Iraqis uh, have the, a trust in their security forces, whether it's police or whether it's an army, and still, even the last one, we have a high trust in the police and in the army in Iraq, which is a good, uh, a good sign. Of course, parliament and judicial system. Uh, I'm not worried about the parliament. It's always, uh, it has uh, a very low uh, rating. It's not, it's, uh, I can say it's a global phenomenon. Everywhere, parliament does not have a high trust. But what is worrying 
is the trust in the judicial system. And 2014, just before Daesh took over, it was 54% the trust in the judicial system. Again, if we broke it down, or if we break it down to Sunnis versus Shia, Sunnis trust in the judicial system was almost 30% only. Among Shia, it was around 70%. This declined sharply. And on 2018, it reached 45%. And now, it's 33%. Only one out of three Iraqis have a trust in the judicial system, which means the judicial system is the system that people can go to it if they have conflicts or to solve their problems. Right now, to solve their problems, there are a lot of other uh, substitutions or alternatives, which is not good for the state of Iraq. Fighting corruption, uh, as you can see, right now it's 25%. One out of four believe that the government is really fighting or successful in fighting corruption. Dissatisfaction with the democracy. As you know, on 2003, when the invasion happened, uh, one of the main goal was to establish a democratic Iraq. That's why we were always asking Iraqis about what do they think about Iraq, whether it's, do you think that Iraq has a democratic system or not? Those who are saying yes, on 2011 were 52, it declined to 36, right now, only 19% of Iraqi, less than one out of five Iraqi believe that Iraq is a democratic system. Of course, one of the main highlights which uh, put on the political arena is the attitudes toward Iran and USA. You can expect the attitudes toward uh, USA, but about Iran, it's interesting to, to see how it changed. And it's important here to, to break it down to Shias versus Sunni. This makes a lot of difference. As you can see, the, uh, during the first stage, till 2006, the uh, trust of Iran or Iran as a reliable partner to Iraq, 61% of Shias, they were thinking that it's a reliable partner. 40% the total of a reliable partner. See how this declined till we reached 2014 and when Iran supported Iraq in fighting Daesh, this number started to jump again. The trust in Iran as a reliable partner, but 
after that it's turned down or it's decreased again and right now it decreased very sharply. Of course, Sunnis were always, they don't like having Iran as a reliable partner. But the, but the interesting thing is in Shia, right now, 49% uh, of Shias who want Iran as a reliable partner. And we have another question, I didn't show it here, whether they trust it or not. Right now, the last number, last week, we get Shias, only 38% of them, they trust Iran. So it's a sharp decline in the trust of Iran. Of course, the United States always, uh, there is a problem. Do you think that the United States of America is a reliable partner? At the beginning, apart, by the way, the, the question is about partnership. It's not about a trust. I was not able to get the, the first polls or the first results about the uh, trust because I had some technical uh, problem with the database. So I was not able to show it. But as you can see here, the, uh, those who say that it's a reliable partner uh, it was 27% uh, in total on 2005, which was good. This jumped to 34% as a total, and then it declined again. Right now it's 25% uh, percent, uh, versus 16% uh, um, of Sunnis. Other important issue, religious and politics. As I say that, the religious groups were ready to take over when the vacuum took place. These are some questions about that. Percentages of Iraqis who believe that the government uh, should base its laws entirely from Islamic laws or Sharia. As you can see, at the beginning, almost all of Iraqis, or the vast majority of Iraqis, they want the, uh, the, uh, the Sharia laws. This started to decline sharply uh, after that on 2006, except for, for Shia to start and to, to grow up. Uh, but right now, on 2000 and uh, till 2013, till Daesh took over the areas of Iraq, this declined sharply. After that, so right now, one of the one of Daesh blessings, I, if I may say, is that they highlighted how risky is to base your laws on Sharia's laws. So after that, as you can see that on 2019, right now, Sunnis who believe that Iraq uh, or the government should base its laws on Sharia, only 18% of uh, Shias 
only 23%, and of Kurds, only 37%. So uh, the vast majority now, they don't want the government to base its, its laws on the Sharia's laws. And the trust in religious institution, this is also uh, interesting to see. On 2004, the trust in religious institutions was almost 80%. And this decline, as you can see right now, it's only 40% of people who trust the, uh, the religious institution. Again, if we break it down to Sunnis versus Shias, we will see little different, little different, not big different uh, results, but in, in general, trust in uh, or the uh, secu uh, sorry, religious institutions lost a lot of their uh, trust. Uh, it's better to, to separate politics and religion. As, as you can see here, always, always, this was the case in Iraq, even since 2003. They want Sharia's laws, they want, you, you may see it as a contradiction, but Iraq is really distinct between Sharia and uh, uh, politics. Yet, uh, the percentage of Iraqis who, uh, who want to, to separate religious from politics were almost 50%. This decline sharp, sharply, as you can see here, on 2003, uh, sorry, uh, right now, uh, there are 87% of Sunnis who want to separate politics and religion, almost 70% of uh, of Shias who wants to, uh, sorry, of Kurds who wants to separate politics and religion, almost 68% of uh, Shias who wants to separate politics and religious, which is a good sign again. This is another good sign. Generally speaking, would you say that now I'm, I'm coming to uh, the uh, social uh, issue. Uh, would you say that most people can be trusted the xenophobia in Iraq? This is one of the most worrying uh, issue in, for me in, in Iraq, the xenophobia, the uh, distrust in others is huge in, in, in Iraq. As you can see, it was 40% who believe that others can be trusted. This declined to 30% just before Daesh took over, and then now Iraqis, only 11% of them believes that they can trust other, which this has a very, very negative consequences on the social networking. Uh, this has a very negative uh, consequences on the, uh, the trial or, or the, uh, the government's uh, efforts to establish good relation with the people of Iraq. Right now, no one trusts no one.
And this also reflected on uh, the national identity. As you can see, the Iraqi identity on 2003 and 2004, it was around 23% of Iraqis. One out of four Iraqis at that time believed that they are Iraqis above all. They are neither Muslims, they are no, uh, not uh, Shias, not Kurds, etc., Arab. As Iraqi, only 23%. This improved during the year till we reached on, before uh, the troops, the US troops left Iraq, it reached 60%. Then the, uh, this uh, declined to 41%. And after the victory or the defeat of Daesh, it jumped again to 81%. Right now, it has started to decline again. And when the national identity decline, this means sub-identities are going up, which is also a worrying sign. And we should take care about it. The, the government should take care before uh, uh, things getting worse. That's why you, you now you, you hear about uh, federalism, et cetera, uh, some other issues in Iraq. How would you describe relation between the different religious sects in, in Iraq? This also, as you can see, 71%, they say that uh, it's a good, uh, the, the relation between different uh, parts of, of Iraq is uh, good and healthy. 71%, that was in 2012, it declined. Before, just before Daesh took over, only 35% of Iraqis believe that the relation between different sects is good and, and healthy. But uh, after that, uh, and after the uh, free of Iraq from Daesh, it started again to increase right now. It's, 76 of Iraqis, 76% of Iraqis believe that it's good, the relation between different sects and all other, all other signs that we had refer to one conclusion in that regard, that the problem, the sectarianism or the sectarian problem between Sunnis and Shia is uh, in its lowest ever level since 2003, which is again a very good sign. Yet this is also the uh, demographic change and uh, migration. As you can see here, uh, I will skip that. On 2012, there were only 17% of Iraqis who wants to to flee or to, to, to leave Iraq right now, 33%. One out of three Iraqis dream of leaving Iraq. Yes, I'm coming. I think this is very interesting. As a result of all this, we are asking this question always. Do you think that Iraq were better when Saddam's regime was in power? 
better on 2005, and this was in the middle of the civil war during that time in Iraq, 58% they say, they, they say that it was better during Saddam regime. Right now, still, it's a worrying. Around 47%, they say that it's better. Red flags, again, these are some red flags. People, in general, started to, in, in Sunni's area, started to believe that Daesh can take over again, can reappear again, which is worrying. Uh, how likely do you think that it's, uh, Iraq will witness another violent extremist group? Also, right now, almost 75% of Sunnis believe that we will have extremist group. Uh, this is about al-Hajj al-Shaabi. I, I don't have much time to, to, to take about it, but uh, to talk, uh, sorry, about it. In general, there are many red flags. This time, the red flags are not only in Sunni's areas. It's also in Shias and Kurds areas. And this is a real uh, worry for me because when Daesh took over Sunni's areas, Shias and Kurds helped the government to, to defeat Daesh. Right now, what will happen if such event took place or take place uh, again. Uh, right now, there are some red flags of, for instance, she, she has confidence in the local police at its lowest ever po uh, point. Uh, though people who believe in uh, a federalism in, in Basra uh, are still 31%, but this jumped from 5% just four years ago. So uh, we are uh, facing uh, a difficult time, many challenges the government has to deal with it. Um, unfortunately, I cannot, uh, the time is not uh, in my favorite. Thank you, thank you very much. And if you have any question, then the stage for you is. Thank you. Let me open things up to questions in just a moment. I would like to make two points. One, what Munquith showed you in terms of polls is something where the Special Inspector General, Lead Inspector General, also has a different kind of warning, and that is the rising level of violence in Iraq that has occurred in spite of the sort of breakup of the caliphate in Syria. This is a warning sign that's more than a matter of polling because a lot of this violence is outside the Baghdad area, but it is disturbing. The other thing is very few people track polls in general in the Arab world. If some of you are surprised at these reactions to the United States, we had some very strange and, shall we say, highly favorable polls when I was in Iraq, off and on in the course of our, I won't say occupation, but the poll did. Uh, <laughs> the fact was that a lot of them were negative, and it's interesting that two sets of polls, which cover 
a very broad range of Arab countries, one of all Arabs and another of Arab youth, show a very sharp decline in support of the U.S. as an ally and a strategic partner, uh, almost a precipitous one. At the same time, they show the same concerns with corruption. And one of the interesting things about polling is that if we try to find a correlation between some kind of metric and the rise of extremism or violence, one of the key warning signs is corruption. Yeah. Yeah. The higher the rating on corruption, the stronger the correlation is to a rise in terrorism or violence. So these are signals that we were going to have to deal with. I don't think you can predict the future, but uh, I think it is important to put these polls in context. With that, let me open things up for questions. The usual caveat, uh, please have it end in a question mark and keep it shorter than the speech. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, please. To what extent do you have the opportunity to present uh, these results to the Iraqi government, to parliament, to, to decision, what we call decision makers and policy makers? Mm -hmm. And if you have an opportunity, to what extent do they listen to you? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, actually, it's interesting to, to ask such a question because till 2000, 14 or 15, uh, all the signs coming from Baghdad preventing me from going there and presenting the data to, to Iraqi officials. Uh, I can say that after that, and after, this is again one of the blessings of Daesh, uh, the government started to listen to others. We were saying a lot about uh, wrong uh, practices in Sunni's areas which can lead to uh, a disaster. No one listened at that time. And you, you remember at that time the, the, the prime minister, uh, how he described anyone uh, who says anything uh, against his, uh, his policy. But after 2015, they started, started listening. Uh, they started receiving it in a better way. Uh, right now, I can say that I am going to Baghdad every, uh, every month uh, to, to present some of the data. Still, it's early to say that they are listening, but at least, at least some of the, uh, they receive some of the red flags. As usual, you know that politicians if the results in their favorite, they usually say that it's a good result, it's a good polls, it's a good methodology. When it is against them, they usually uh, accuse uh, the, the pollster that his methodology is weak, he is biased, etc., etc. So, but uh, again, I think the, especially the prime minister office, whether during Abdel Mahdi 
uh, uh, or during Al uh, Abadi, they started listening. Uh, I can uh, confirm that. It's an interesting question because if you look at polls of the MENA region and the Arab world, you see that since really the best poll is about 2013 and is youth-oriented, although it has its own biases, mm -hmm. two things occur. One is you see a steadily rising distrust of the national media and national news media and a steadily rising polling result indicating that people feel, particularly young people, 24 and younger, that the government doesn't listen throughout the Arab world. These are not, I think, in some ways surprising when you tighten security. In some ways, these are the results you get. But I think you always have to put what you hear in Iraq in a broader context. Other questions? Please. and then the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. Um, I'm not one of these uh, Iraqis who came with the, the U.S. forces, or what they're called, the Chalabis. Uh, my question is, uh, you mentioned that in 2003 that um, Iraqis had a very negative opinion about the invasion. Uh, this information, were they conducted in a certain part of Iraq or all over Iraq? And the reason I'm saying that is because and that's personal opinion. I was one of the many people who wanted to work with the U.S. government and the U.S. Army, and we welcomed the invasion. Um, so uh, probably your information is more precise than my information. That's my point. Thank you. Well, thank you. For sure there were uh, a good percentage of Iraqis. I, I didn't say that all Iraqis. And, uh, but uh, the results or the, the, the polls conducted in all of uh, Iraq. It's the same methodology which we use it over these 16 years. And it's the same methodology which shows an improvement in trust in government or in some institutions. So uh, the, the, the poll uh, conducted in a very scientific way in these areas, yes, there are, or there were some people who looked to the, uh, by the way, the invasion or the occupation, it's uh, official name of the, uh, I mean, by, by the resolution of the United Nations. This is not uh, something that uh, we can, uh, uh, this is. Anyway, it's uh, how, to, how to look to, to things. This is, this is why I say that it was very challenging for me when I, I started putting together all these slides, uh, trying to show, because I know that people have different uh, opinions, and uh, all opinions are good for me. I mean, it's, uh, everyone has the right to look to things from his point of view. But in, uh, in general, it's the same methodology, nationwide polls, and uh, conducted by the same team. I think you might want to stress, too, these are interviews. And one problem we have with electronic polling is when you have electronic polling, almost by the nature of things, you have selected 
the kind of people who have the ability to be electronically polled. Yes. Which means you have to have a smartphone yeah. and yeah. you have to be familiar yeah. enough with it and accept the fact yeah. people can cold call you and you will then talk to them about controversial questions. Yep. 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 Uh, but our, our so polls some things are still face work face to face. Uh, yeah, our, our uh, polls are face to face. Uh, for the last four years, we are using the most advanced technology in polling. We are able to trace our interviewers by GPS to to ensure that they are going to the to the same uh, sample drawn to them. Uh, we uh, audio record all interviews. We mm -hmm. have uh, many different ways to, to check. Everything is computerized. So uh, the, the quality control procedures are very, very high and sophisticated in, in our polls. That's what, why I have uh, a lot of trust in, in, the, in these numbers. Let me ask a question, if I may, Manquith. The one thing you did not deal with, in, perhaps for time reasons, is the whole issue of Kurdish separatism. Yeah. And that, of course, the referendum and the rest. Do you have a picture as to the extent of the Kurdish interest in separatism at this point? Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, the, uh, it's regarding the separation of uh, Kurdistan, uh, the, the referendum really changed the way uh, how uh, people in Kurdistan thinking. That does not mean that they are not thinking about independence uh, state, but they, are, they have a lot now of inter-conflict, hmm. uh, uh, sorry, intra-conflict than inter-conflict. And in general, uh, the, the, the situation in Iraq, uh, it moved from the sectarian uh, conflict between Shias, Sunnis, and Kurds to intra-sectarian conflict between Sunnis, Sunnis, Shias, Shias, Kurds, Kurds. The situation right now in Kurdistan is that they are divided between Suleimani and, and Erbil and their uh, opinions regarding the referendum, how uh, was it a good step or not a good step. Uh, Suleimani, uh, now Erbil with this government are closer to the government than Suleimani. Suleimani pre previously were closer to the government. So things are not in general as it was before the referendum. And I think the referendum has changed the entire political landscape in Kurdistan. I noticed in some of your results you broke Sunni and Shiite polling into sub-regions yes. by area. Yeah. And first, I would be interested in how much the Shiites differ from other Shiites. Yeah. And then, if I may ask you, in dealing with the Sunnis, do you have a clear view as yet what is happening in Western Iraq? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a good question. I mean, the, the last presentation I had a few months ago here in DC as well, I referred to this uh, 
Now, the difference is inside Shias and inside Sunnis areas are higher than the differences between Sunnis and Shia. For instance, in, 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 bus, in, uh, in the south or in the Shias areas, you can distinct uh, or notice clearly that there is a clear distinction between Basra opinions and other uh, Shias opinion. In, uh, in Sunni's areas, you can see clearly that there are some uh, 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 clear differences between Mosul uh, uh, public opinions and other Sunni's areas public opinion. So uh, the the, uh, the 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 differences are are there. We cannot uh, say anymore. I mean, not we cannot say, but it's not uh, as it was uh, a clear distinction. We have to uh, break it down by geographical uh, areas to have a better. Um, notion about what's going on, or a better idea about what's going on. It's, it's important to take geographical uh, differences right now in public opinion in Iraq, not only sectarian differences. Now you mentioned unemployment as one of the critical oh, factors yeah. along with corruption. Yeah. Obviously you can't measure unemployment easily among refugees and IDPs, uh, but where were the most serious unemployment issues? Uh, it's interesting to see that, in, uh, though this should be uh, a Shia government, uh, the Sun Shia's uh, areas had higher uh, unemployment rates. Uh, so the, the main pockets of unemployment are Basra, Maysan, Dikar, uh, and in, in uh, Mosul and Erbil. These are the five top areas with uh, unemployment. Uh, it's strange to, to, to see that Erbil has a very high uh, also uh, unemployment rate, but it is the, f the fact, or these are the number of the uh, Ministry of Planning, not my, uh, my numbers. And as you, can, uh, as you say that there is a very uh, good correlation between corruption and uh, un unemployment. And it's not only by numbers, but it's in the perceptions of Iraqis when we ask them what is the main reason behind that unemployment, it's corruption. Ladies and gentlemen, we're coming to the end of this session. Are there any more questions that uh, any of you would like to ask? Please. Could you wait for the mic for just a second? Sorry. You are on television. Thank you. Uh, my name is Neil Bowie from the United Kingdom. Uh, I'd like to thank you very much for your talk. I wondered what the difference, you mentioned about the increase in um, corruption in Iraq. What is the difference between the perception and the reality of corruption, and how willing is the Iraqi government to admit that corruption is on the rise? The perception and reality, uh, I mean, we usually, as uh, apolisters, we measure perceptions, not, uh, not reality. So all what we see here 
are the perceptions and the attitudes of uh, people. And according to uh, a very reliable psychological theories, uh, behavior usually depends on perceptions more than facts. Uh, so that's why, whether it's a factual or not, of course it's a factual. I mean, it, in Iraq, if you go to Iraq, you can see that uh, corruption is, is everywhere. But uh, as you know, that you cannot uh, really measure, and even the uh, transparency, uh, international uh, transparency, uh, transparency uh, organization, uh, they cannot measure the the, the real uh, practices of of corruption, especially in Iraq. But in Iraq, it turned from some isolated island to a widespread uh, corruption. Actually, it's a very wide. Uh, and uh, if there is a gap between facts or and perceptions, mm -hmm. I'm, I cannot guarantee. But it's the government's duty to uh, to bridge that gap if it is, if there is a gap, if it is not reality that 90% uh, of Iraqis believe that corruptions are spread everywhere in Iraq. Well, also remember that the nature of the polling is such that when you have fighting going on and it affects people's lives day to day, they're going to focus on security. So that will be the primary issue of concern. Mm -hmm. What tends to happen is when you aren't having fighting, people then go to the quality of governance and particularly corruption becomes a lead measure. It isn't necessarily that corruption has increased. It is that corruption now becomes something they deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Yes. We have seen some surveys or attempts to sort of close this loop by asking how recently or how often in a given year have you had to pay a bribe? Yeah. Uh, the figures tend to be fairly high throughout the region. And in most countries where there is not an active level of insecurity or instability involving weapons, almost all countries pull very high in corruption. In a few cases, you have both. Places like Libya, for example, managed to achieve both very high levels of corruption and very high levels of violence. So they're not necessarily exclusive. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, you can't always get to the root causes. I think that's one of the key problems. Yeah. But ladies and gentlemen, let me suggest that we thank Munquith in the usual manner, and thank you very much for coming. Thank you.